is not if you fast. Is when you pray. If you are a Christian, you ought to be praying. It's very important. It's not if, it's when. And if you don't pray, again, like I said before, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him a wise man who builds his house on the rock. If you don't do those things, then he will liken you to a fool. I'm going to be preaching on that pretty soon. It's going to be a series because these things are truly important. We need to pray, and I encourage everyone to come. If you can make it, I'd like to stay here and pray. There's a lot to pray about. Um, Sunday, I announced that we want to start a church in Nigeria. We're going to be starting a church there. I already have a pastor, a couple of pastors that are willing to work with us. We're having a lot of fruit over there. Uh, Pastor Lonnie said we had at least, at least, minimum, 1,200 people that got saved in this last trip. We were in probably over 30 churches as we split ourselves going from churches. There was a Sunday that I preached in three different churches one day. So we reached a lot of people. But we're saying we want to be constructive. We want to have some direction as to what we're doing. And uh, so we started church there. I talked to the one that we're looking to help us with that church, I believe, this morning. He is very excited, and uh, we're going to do it. It's pretty cheap. Last Sunday also I announced about the television programming over there. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> we want to have a presence there. And it's not just for television. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Paul. He says, if we can get this done, we can have a church of 3,000 people in a very short time. We have, we have, to, we have a presence in that place. My belief is we have uh, Pastor Lonnie from Florida. We have people here. We have people from the worship center. We have other friends. I'm look, looking to bring uh, a minister out of Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, to be a part of that. And people will constantly go from here to that place in the church. We want to train ministers. There are villages that don't have the, the gospel preached to them. There's a village that I preached. I think I had about three crusades in that village. I don't know if there's anyone ministering to that village today. We, when we had those crusades, people came from about 25 clans. And they came in and camped at the crusade ground. And they were living in, uh, they were sleeping in a, uh, a school building during the night and just to, I mean, during the night and then they wait till the following day till evening to hear the message. I didn't go there this time. I don't know what's happening with those people right now. We'd like to have a church there and we'll train the people there. We have to have a vision. We have to have a vision. Otherwise, all we'll be doing is having church. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and bring the people in. There are people that are still worshiping idols, and we don't do that here. I know you'll be horrified if you see somebody kneeling before a piece of wood and saying, God, help us. You'll be horrified, but there are people doing that. And not only in Nigeria, there are other parts of the world. Uh, France is way down. I mean, I don't know, I think I was told maybe 2% of people in France are believers, are Christians. But that's pretty low. 
We have to wake up, you know, it's not just about church and having a big church or having a small church. It is, we, have to, we have to obey the master. We have to do his work. And this that we're doing is to have a presence there. And I'm believing that through this, and I'm very focused, I believe in this, and thank God Pastor Loni is really into this. It doesn't cost too much. Last Sunday I announced we want to get on television there. Now I have, uh, we have $300 coming for that. It costs $3,000 to have uh, a presence on their tele, a spot on their television for 30 minutes every week, three months. $3,000. And last, I guess, now I can confidently say we have $2,100. That has been has been promised and donated to us having that television, and we don't even have a camera to do the work yet. <laughs> but what that tells me is that God is in it. I wasn't looking for offering; I just talked about it, and we already have uh, twenty-one hundred dollars to do that. My thing is, some of you here. When we're tired of just watching you sit down, looking at us, we'll send you over there. Go and preach. (laughs) Go over there. And if you come to me and start telling me, Pastor, you forgot to say this and give me some good truth. I say, you got truth? You want to preach? Well, we're sending you over there. Go preach to them. But we want to grow a church. We want to, we want to raise people. We want to teach them. We want to give them opportunities. Uh, Pastor Lonnie said we'll have uh, times of just Bible study, and then we'll send it to them, just teaching the young people uh, to pastor the churches. And then when we're through with establishing one church, we we'll go from there and establish another church, maybe in a village or in another town. And then when we go, when Angela and uh, the, uh, the rest of them go... <laughs> then uh, they have people on ground that will help us to get the job done. But not only that, we have been invited to go to Kenya. We have been invited to go to Uganda. I have refused. I don't even pay attention. When they tell me he goes in here, he goes out there. Because <laughs> it's not time. I know it's not God's time for that. But we can have a presence there. And the, the, the television programming is so cheap. And we're talking about statewide. Uh, you know, and it crosses to the other states. So we have millions of people saying, and then we can put that on, uh, or if someone is living here, uh, from here to there, we can have their face on television. We're going to be having a program. This person is coming from Houston to minister, and we have people. The goal, we want to see people saved. We want to see people saved. And we want to reach out. And I, I have no fear because I believe uh, this is of the Lord and the money will come in. Somehow, one way or the other, the money is going to come in and we can do it. It's very cheap. I, it costs just $1,800. The first time you get in just to get that one spot, you need 3000 just for you to get the spot and then for three months. After the first three months, all we need for the next three months is $1,800. And I actually spoke to the manager of uh, that station and he was very excited uh the people love to see stuff from the united states amen <laughs> people love to see that so that's what we want to do and god will help us but all of these things 
demands that we pray. All of these things demand that we pray. So we need to come together on, the tw- on uh, Friday 21st and spend some time praying. Uh, we have a meeting, our staff will meet, and then we'll decide what we really want to do. But really what I want to do is come in here at 7 o'clock. I leave the following uh, uh, morning at 5 o'clock. Amen? Father, we just thank you tonight. Speak to us and encourage us from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. These days, I don't consider anything too great. Because there is a God. And we cannot limit the Holy One of Israel. God is with us. God is for us. He is with us and He is for us. No matter what's going on in your life, God is for you. He is looking for the best in your life. And just like a father... When things are not going well with a child in the home, the father, the mother, the parents are not pleased. They want, if they can do something to, to help the situation, they'll do whatever it takes. I believe God is even more than that when it comes to our lives. He cares so much for us. And he also cares for those that are without. Now, I know what the scripture says, and we need to remind ourselves of this. When you think that things are not well between you and God, that you are not meeting up to the, the, your, whatever expectation you have in your heart with regards to your relationship uh, to God, and you think, well, he cannot really answer my prayers or be really concerned about what is happening in my life right now because I'm not doing very good. I'm not doing very well with, with respect to my relationship with God. I'd like you to know at that time, He's so close. Closer to you than to Pastor Andy who doesn't need much help, you know. Yeah. So close. Because Jesus said, I mean, we need to remind ourselves of this. He said, if a man has a hundred, how many? A hundred what? Sheep. All of them. And one is going astray. He's no longer concerned about the 99 that don't need help. He leaves them going after this one. And he says, when he finds that one sheep, he comes back, what? Rejoicing. Rejoice with me. So when you think that you are not doing well in God and that God may have abandoned you because you made some mistakes or whatever it is, it's usually a lie from the enemy. And if you feel that way, God can never be closer to you at that point. So God is always there. There is no problem that is too great for God. No problem that is too great for God. We are dealing with impossible situations in our lives. But what we need is help from heaven. We need help from heaven. 
That's what this is all about. We as humans, if you're living on earth, you need help. I need help. You're dealing with circumstances that you can't put your hands around. You, try, you put your hands around one and something else pops up. And you say, well, I can't let go of this because I gotta go, I gotta have this in control. But what do I do about this? You don't have other hands to put around this. We need help from heaven. Psalm 60 verse 11 tells us that. Give us help from trouble. Give us help from trouble. If you're a human being, you need help from trouble. Because trouble will always come. We don't know what form and what shape it will take, but trouble will come. And you have to deal with it. But the thing is, you really doesn't, don't have the ability to deal with trouble. And usually what we do is turn to some man. And we're looking for help. Give us help from trouble. The help of man is useless. That's what the scripture says. Give us help from trouble. Help from man is useless. Why is it useless? Or is it completely useless? No. It will only last you for a short time. It will only make you feel good for a short time. It will take care of the problem only for a short time. But before long, the problem comes back again with a vengeance. And it covers every area of life until we learn to depend on God and God alone. This is a a scriptural principle. When God says in his word, give us help from trouble. Us, not the one that's praying or the one that's speaking, the psalmist, that's every human being. We need help from heaven. We need help from trouble. I believe it's um, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 that tells us this. He says, come boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help. Say, help in the time of need. We must come boldly because the only place to truly find help is from heaven. Sometimes we get help from man, but the help of man is truly useless. Psalm 146 verse 3 tells us this. It says, uh, do not trust in princes. Don't trust in them. That's a good advice. Don't trust in princes in whom there is no help. There is really no help. They can't help you. Only God can truly help us. We need help from trouble and we're constantly going through. You're going through something right now. Every one of us is going through something. We need help somewhere. And only God can give us that help. Man can only help us to an extent. But they can't really take care of the trouble. And we really need to trust God. And the point is, God cares for us. And he will help us. We need to enter into his rest. That's why the Bible says, we must cast our cares upon the Lord. 
We have cares, but we need to just transfer everything to him. We call upon him. We go boldly into the throne of grace. We go before the throne of grace boldly. Why boldly? Because we're sure to get what we're asking for. He is sure to help us. He is the one that told us to come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll, I'll give you rest. I like that rest. Rest from God. We need that rest from the Lord. And we need to trust Him enough to go to Him. The key is trusting God that He knows what He is doing. Because the Bible tells us, Jeremiah, I believe 17 verse 5, is everyone who puts, every man that puts his trust in man. And makes man his strength. You won't make it very much. Because they'll disappoint you. There is truly no help from man. When you're really in trouble, even your wife or your husband cannot help you. You need God's help. If you have a terminal disease, your best friend can help you. All they do is rub your back and say, it's going to be okay. They cry with you, you feel good for a while. But when you are alone, at night, it gets really dark. And the enemy begins to minister fear to your heart. And only help from heaven will relieve you of that fear. So we really need help from trouble. There was a certain man in the Bible, I believe it's... um, First Samuel, very first chapter, Elkanah, he had two wives. <laughs> Fred, I haven't had that too, so I don't know, not kidding. <laughs> and I'm not looking for that at all. <laughs> What possessed him to think about having to knock it? You're truly listening, Israel. <laughs> but he had two wives, Hannah, we know of Hannah and Penina. And uh, it's very curious, if you read this story, it says every year this man goes down with his family to Shiloh. And the priest of God, the high priest was there with his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. But the Bible said, God, God in heaven, had closed the womb. She couldn't have a child. I met had a lot of children. Don't know why this was, but the husband loved the woman that couldn't bear a child. For him. And yearly they went to Shiloh to sacrifice. And Shiloh, if you really think, sometimes we read in scriptures and we go past. You don't live with the individual, go through their lives day to day and wonder how anxious she will be 
when the time of Passover is drawing close. Because going to the house of God was always a bitter experience for this woman. Bitter. It's Passover time again. We're going to be going to Shiloh. And my mate will not let me hear. She'll constantly remind me of my trouble. And the trouble started, God was responsible. According to the scriptures. You know, that's, that's a great opportunity to be mad at God. But why did God allow this to happen? Now, the scriptures told us, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, You shall serve the Lord your God, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he'll take sickness away from the midst of you, and he says, There shall nothing be barren. Right? And she was serving the Lord, and the Lord made her barren. How'd you figure that out? You figured that out. And she had to go to the house of the Lord that made her barren year after year to suffer torment from her mate. Reminding her, you can't have children. The Lord closed your womb. There's got to be something wrong with you. Your husband loves you, but see, you can't have children. Something is wrong with you. Something's wrong with your life. And you know it. What people would do today is, we have some backsliding priests in the house of God. And the Bible tells us in First Samuel chapter 3, the word of God was rare in those days. God wasn't speaking to anybody. He was mad. Mad at the high priest, mad at his children. And yet, she still went to this place to worship God, a place of torment for her, year after year. Most people would blame the preacher. I don't enjoy worship. I'm going to change church and go to some place where I feel good, where I don't have to go through this torment. But it was the Lord that did it, that made, that closed the womb. Right? You see, that's why we've become real, natural human beings instead of spiritual children of God. Sometimes difficulties come to our lives for a purpose. God, I believe, if we can look at the story now and we know what happened, but I believe in the mind of God, I don't want any child to come from that womb until I got the first one that is mine. Samuel is mine. And he's going to be the first one. And I'm going to close that womb until it's time for Samuel to come through. But even though that was the will of God, she still had to pray for it, right? She still had to have a good attitude. She, had, she didn't become bitter. She didn't blame the priests. She didn't blame her husband. She blamed no one. She was cried out to God. But the Bible said when the, the husband saw what was happening, what do you do when they go, when it's time for him to sacrifice? He'll try to help his wife out from that bad feeling. So he gives all of his children portions. And his wife, Penina, portion. And then he'll give the wife a double portion. Saying, I love you. You know I really love you. That is only good for a season. Let's go good around. A double portion from man is not good enough. 
you cannot settle for a double portion for man, from a man on the earth. What you need is a double portion from heaven. A double portion from a man will only last for a while. Make you feel good for a while till the next season. And you are back to where you started. But when God gives you a double portion of his blessing, the trouble is over. It's caught from the root. And that's what we should seek. We must seek that with everything that we have. We must seek it with everything. Even though it's God's will, we still have to seek it. Notice that God was not speaking to anyone. Now if God is not speaking to anyone, guess what? He is not answering prayers very much, right? (laughs) But this woman was desperate. I know, husband, you love me. I know you give me double portion, but that's not what I want. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Do not labor for the food that perishes. Labor for that that will lead to eternal life, right? That means even the food that's going to lead to eternal life, what do you have to do? You got to labor for it. Make sense? I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And labor, in this sense, is to have a strong desire for a double portion from God that will drive you to separate yourself from everybody else and you seeking God. God, I've got to have this from you. That's the labor. You remember Jacob? When things were difficult, he tried all his tricks. He didn't work. And then when he was alone, the Bible said an angel appeared to him. And he wrestled. Sometimes we really need to wrestle. If you think about Jacob, he already had the blessings of Abraham pronounced on his life, right? He was blessed by Isaac. May the blessing of Abraham, notice the blessing of Abraham rest upon you. And yet, he had nothing to show for the blessing. He had to wrestle with that angel for the manifestation of the blessing. He needed a double portion from God. He had been blessed. He had a lot of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't enough. Earthly thing, not enough. He had trouble. He was very fearful. But this night, he got a hold of God. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I won't let go until you bless me. There are things that you're going through in your life that I'm going through. And we just, because God loves us and we have the blessings of Abraham, we have to spend time with him. That's what Hannah did. When it became too painful for her, she went into the sanctuary. And she started pouring her heart to God. And she cried out to God. She said, I was crying out of the bitterness of my soul. 
I'm pouring out my heart to God. If you can find a place to pour your heart to God, not man. I'm sure she already talked to her husband. That didn't help. But she found a place and she was alone with her God. And she cried bitterly before God and said, look, you need to help me. And the God (laughs) who closed her womb changed his mind after that encounter. Things may be that difficult in your life. It may take just one encounter. You're crying out for a double portion and refusing to let. When you make up your mind, God, this has to change. You got your hands. You already halfway to your answer. That's just the way it is. But you're sitting and waiting and believing and saying, I'm believing God. Things don't work that way. We have to spend that time with God. You cry out to him and say, God, I got to have an answer. And he will hear from heaven. We need to have that double portion from the Lord. It's so important. You have to cry out for it. You have to have that hunger for it. If the hunger is not there, nothing is going to really happen. God gives us the desires of our heart. But he wants to see if the desire is really there. The strength of that desire is what's going to make God act. The strength of that desire is what's going to make you act. If the desire is not there, you will always be postponing. Well, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. But when the time comes when you really cannot wait, God, you've got to do something about it today. It may not be that same day, but the answer is on its way. Once you set your heart to seek the Lord. Now, because of the issue, your heart is not divided. You then will seek him with all your heart. And the Bible says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. When you find God, you find the solution. The thing is, he's finding God. He is the one that brings us help. We need that double portion from from God. We cannot be satisfied with what everyone else has. We just be ordinary. We need that double portion. We need to stand up. Stand out. You know the story of uh, Elijah and Elisha. Second Kings chapter two. The Bible t- tells us that. It was about time for God to take Elijah home via a whirlwind. And Elisha had served him all along. I personally believe that Elijah had schools of the prophets. You know, in one town and another town where you have prophets that were being taught how to prophesy and everything... And uh, this time before he was to be taken off, he decided, I want to see all these, uh, my students. <laughs> but he acted like he wanted to get rid of Elisha. I don't know why he was, he kept telling Elisha, you stay here because the Lord has told me to go to this city. 
That's what he was telling him. Basically, get lost. <laughs> I'm going to go. And God is calling me. But Elisha already knew God was about to take him up to heaven. And he had his mind made up. I'm going to have a double portion of the spirit that you got. But notice, he said nothing to him. He just had that in his heart. And that was what was driving him. He stayed with him. In Gilgal, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, You stay here because the Lord has told me to go to the next town to Bethel. And his reply was, As long as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I'm not going to stay away from you. I'm coming with you. In those days, words like that, no arguments. So he followed him. They got to Bethel. And I'm sure he, uh, Elijah visited, that's my belief, he visited with the sons of the prophets that were in school there. And before they left, the sons of the prophets came to, to Elisha and said, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master from over your head this very day? He said, I know it. Be quiet. We don't want to talk about it. He said, everything you hear from those people will be discouraging words. What are you going to do now when he's gone? You haven't really been in the school of the prophets, you know? What's going to happen to you? He said, be quiet, be silent, I don't want to hear it. And Elijah said, Elijah said to him, well, the Lord has told me to go to the next city. It's called Jericho. And you can stay here with these other guys. He says, no, I'm not staying. I'm coming with you. And then they got to Jericho, and he says, well, the Lord has told me to go to Jordan. You stay here. He says, no, I'm coming with you. Then they got to the river Jordan, and uh, Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it, and then struck the water. And I'm sure the guy was watching. Hey, that's cool. All you need to do is take that mantle, and, you know, and he says, okay, that's, that's cool. Cool. They went through it. Great miracle. I'm sure Elijah was looking up and Elijah was looking back. Boy, that water split. Man, what is this? Sometimes we forget that these guys were just human beings. And then when they got over, Elijah, Elijah said, well, I guess I can't, I can't get rid of you. Now, what do you want? I want a double portion. I want a double portion of the spirit that is on you, on my life. Elijah said, Elijah said to him, you have asked a hard thing. It's difficult. However, if you see me while I'm being taken up, if, if you can see me, then that power will come on you. See, from then on, you couldn't distract Elisha. <laughs> you could yell and have a big storm. <laughs> Forget that storm. I'm putting my eyes on Elijah. I got to see him when he's gone. Stay focused. Sometimes we we'll let other things distract us from our focus. What do you really want? Do you want a double portion from the Lord? That's what you want? Then stay focused. Do something about it. There's something about Elisha that is so important that we need to learn from his life. 
he was persistent. Very. And I think the Lord loves that. That's why he got his double portion. These days I've learned, especially in the area of healing, while I was in Africa, I prayed sometimes up to four times for the same person. I lay my hands and pray. Try one way. If it doesn't work, I go get all, whatever. I just kept praying. And I kept asking the person. I kept reminding him, don't lie to me. I want the truth from you. Don't lie to me. And he said, well, it's a little better. Are you sure? Well, I'm not trying to get anything. I need to get, you need to get healed. And they'll say, I'm feeling better now. And then, usually I can tell the, the work is done because you can see the smile on their face. Okay? When they're healed, you can see the smile. They're not telling me, oh, it's okay, I, I, I'm okay. I say, no, 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 we need to pray. Is, we're going to stay because God is going to heal you. And it's encouraging when they've already seen other people healed, you know? They stay with you. Amen? But we really need to be persistent. That's what God wants us to do. And let me show you this from the scriptures. Jesus laid his hand on somebody. That's the son of God, right? He laid his hand on the blind man first. And then he took his hand off and he said, now look. Right? The guy looked and said, well, I see men like trees walking. And Jesus, the son of God, laid his hands again, right? Praying, right? Well, if, he, if Jesus can do that, well, I can do it seven times. Persistent. This guy was very persistent. He will not let, he had his mind fixed. I'm going to get this. Don't let go of your confidence. My question now. Don't let it go. Why? Because you are going to have discouraging circumstances. Now, what, how would you feel if the prophet that you're asking, I need this, he's telling you, you've asked a very hard thing, huh? Would that not discourage you? Oh, that would discourage me. He says it's hard. I thought I've done everything that I needed to do. I stayed with him. Now he's telling me it's hard. But thank God he told him, all you need to do is keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And when that whirlwind comes up and you see me going up, if you can see me, your problem is over. You got it. At that stage, every time that happens, you are going to have distractions. Have you ever had the time that you really feel like praying, you kneel to pray, and then the phone rings? <laughs> Is that ever happened? Or is it just, just me? It seems to really happen when you really need to do that. You're really serious and now, and, I mean, it seems all natural. Right? Thank God we have answering machines. <laughs> and the voicemail is don't answer that. But that's just the way the enemy is. We really need to be persistent. And we really need to stay focused and see what you're wanting from God. You got to see it. Keep it in focus. Keep it in focus. Write the vision down. Let them run with it. Write it down. When I came back from Nigeria, my wife and I did something, and it's been very helpful. We wrote something down, and we put on our... Uh, in our bathroom 
I think we did something about a house some time ago. We had some, uh, Angela did that. I didn't do it. But she had the picture of this house in our bathroom. And then now, based on what God is doing in our lives, that looks too small. Excuse me. So we have taken, I guess we're thinking we need to take that out and put something. But at the time it was up, that was huge. But over time, you need to see what you're looking for from God. You have to see it. That's what gets you, gets your focus. That's what he did with uh, Elisha. He said, if you can see me. I guess apparently from that time, he looked nowhere. If you screamed, he won't look there because he's thinking just like we think, I don't want to be doing stuff and Jesus comes back and I'm, I'm not paying attention. Now he wasn't going to look. He was, he's had his eyes fixed on this one time. I need that power from God. The same way, whatever you're looking for, you have to be able to see it. And don't never let that picture get out of your mind. Stay with it. Discouraging times will come. But I won't let it go. What we do is tell the Lord, I believe. See it before my eyes and I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I'm not going to look at what I see. I'm just going to believe it. I'm going to stay with it. And I believe if we do that, that's the way God will walk through. It's a principle that goes all the way to Genesis. All the way. We have to be able to see. That's why Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look the field. What field? He says it's ripe for harvest. What is he wanting you to see? He wants you to see it in your mind. Right? Because if you don't see it in your mind, lift up your eyes or open your eyes and look. Where is the field? Field men, unsaved souls. And as you keep that in focus, something inside you will begin to work towards that. And you cannot rest because you can see until it's fulfilled. Would you stand up with me tonight? Man. God is about to do some great things in your lives. I can say that prophetically in Jesus' name. God is about to do something great in your life. Don't look at your circumstance right now. If it's negative, it will pass. This is a new day. This is a new day. Enlarge the borders, the place of your tent. You know, that's what we need to do right now. And everything is according to what you believe. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. No matter what you believe in God for, you need his help. But we need to come boldly to the throne of grace. And definitely we will find, we will obtain mercy and we will find grace to help in time of need. Father, thank you for the wonderful future that we have in Christ. Jesus is with us. He is the hope of glory. The hope of glory lives in us. So we know we will live in glory right here on this earth. Thank you, Lord, 
for making us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Help us to see ourselves that way and help us to shoot for the star. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.